Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Yeah. I was waiting for that. (laughs) Wow, I was just thinking about Thanksgiving. And what a great day to dedicate babies on a Thanksgiving Sunday. There's hardly anything that can, there's really not much that can get above that. Thankful for our children, grandchildren. We just bless them in Jesus' name. Hey, open your Bibles to Romans 8. I'm taking a little bit of a sidetrack this week. I decided last night. (laughs) So I put my sermon aside and I wanted to talk about Thanksgiving. How novel. And... uh, just as we enter this week, especially in these times we're in right now, the importance of mastering a devotion to Thanksgiving. I got to say, Cindy is way better at this than I am, my wife. She is thankful for everything. I mean, big, small, medium, always thankful. And it influenced me over the years that uh, I'm thankful. I'm just not, I don't know, maybe it's being a guy. I don't know. I'm not as verbal about it or whatever, but it's something that's really important in our lives because there's a supernatural component to, to adjusting your heart toward a thankful heart. And you know, you have power of your life. You're only one change away from a different life. Really, you can make a decision today that changes everything in front of you. It's really amazing uh, power in the will that we have as human beings. I understand some circumstances arise you can't control, but you can control how you respond to those things. And learning to have a thankful heart is, is huge. It, it is such an amazing guide. And so with that in mind, you know, uh, just quickly, I mean, you got to think, this is what I was thinking about this morning. In uh, 1863, right smack dab in the middle of the Civil War, uh, Thanksgiving was made a holiday by President Abraham Lincoln. It had been, you know, used as a terminology and different people used it in different ways, but it became official American holiday. And I think what a brilliant holiday. I mean, it is, it is, uh, who else can you be thankful to but God? And I was thinking about the time in 1863, they were in the throes of a war of brother against brother. Aren't you glad we never see that anymore? And, um, And in this conflict where literally families were being torn apart, opinions, ideologies were being closely scrutinized, and you talk about cancel culture, without using that terminology, it was huge in the 1860s. Are you a Yankee? you a rebel? you North? you South? Are you an abolitionist? Are you uh, pro-slavery? I mean, on and on. I mean, deeply. There's, there's seldom, there's no greater time in America's history that we were so deeply divided, you know. And yet in the midst of that, Lincoln, who was, uh, you know, a, I I don't know his spiritual condition. I believe he was a follower of Jesus in the moment in time that he served. That's, he he loved God in the way that he could and the way he did. His final words to his wife recordedly were uh, that they were moving into a, term when he was assassinated, and he told his wife, we need to take a trip. He said, let's go to Jerusalem. He was just hungry to kind of go and see where the place where Jesus was born. And so it's no surprise to me that he comes up with the holiday, making it a solid holiday, that we spend time 
thanking God. The original holiday, of course, uh, which wasn't a holiday, it was a natural occurrence of the early pilgrims. They did meet with the Native Americans. They did celebrate uniquely for three days. And really, the Native Americans saved their lives, taught them how to raise corn, taught them how to get maple syrup. I'm very thankful they did that. And uh, taught them how to hunt and fish and things like that. These pilgrims, of which came right at the beginning of the winter, and half decided, there's such a sermon in this, but I'm not ready to preach it, but half of them decided to stay on the boat for the winter, and half of them decided to go into the land and... and, uh, and make their way in there and start to settle. And the majority of people, half of everyone died during that winter. They starved, they froze, and most of those were on the boat rather than on the land. And eventually they got together to celebrate with uh, two different tribes, Native Americans. And a lot of people, there's so much revisionist history out there right now, but let me just tell you this part. They maintained an agreement with these tribes for over 50 years. So there was a season where we had our heads on straight and where we did things in a right way, trying to start off in a way of thankfulness and celebration regardless of background. Can you imagine? These pilgrims were kind of, they're sophisticated people. So they're sitting at a table, whatever fashion that looked like, with natives that were sophisticated in their own way, but not according to Western culture. And so you can imagine what dinner would be like. I can't imagine, actually. You know, and for them to, to go on for three days, I mean, there, there's a love that extends beyond convenience, beyond the people you may want to be with, my people, my group, my tribe, whatever, and really breaking out. And that's what Thanksgiving's all about. And sometimes our tribes are divided even in our own household. And Thanksgiving is kind of a sad time for some ways because a relative doesn't come or a relative doesn't want to come or they are upset at you or they don't want to, whatever it might be, you know. And I understand that every holiday has an attachment like that to it. But God's called us into a transcendent life. And I want to talk a few minutes about um, orientation. It's a word that came to my mind this week, and it's just been popping up over and over again, that I feel uh, disorientation with a lot of people. And I've mentioned this many times, of course, through COVID. Because COVID, it's not just COVID, it's the whole... Uh, social wars and moral wars that are going on in America right now. And it's just, it's, a, it's heavy on people's minds. And then, of course, this, this virus that's hanging in the background and making waves around the world over and over again. And uh, we, we're living in a time of disorientation where people fe- do not feel comfortable, even in their own skin. Now, some of it's good training. There, there's a time to grow right now. There's a time to learn how to re-communicate in different ways. There's a time to learn how to relate with people by what we say, how we speak, and how we act. Every time I hear someone say, well, this is just the way I am, I think, well, you're going to suffer a lot of challenges in your life for being, quote, authentic to yourself. The truth is, is that we need to be authentic to the gospel of Jesus Christ as believers and do what Jesus would do. Jesus highly inconvenienced himself right to the cross. And so there's something about laying down your life for others that that does snap us out of disoriented moments. Disoriented moments, you know, I looked up uh, disorient uh, because I wanted to make sure I had the right right terminology for it. It's to make someone lose a sense of direction. 
And right now, America generally is waffling in its direction, really in extremes, even from our last president to this president to probably our next president. We're going through a season now. It's always been this way, but not quite severely, where it's kind of left and left, right, right, left. There we go. Right, left, left, right in ideology and thinking. And, and then the whole government shifts and we pass laws for that. And then the next person comes along, shifts it. It's like being on a boat. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat, but you can come out off that boat a little bit, you know, uh, still thinking you're on the boat. Have you ever had that happen? Actually, it happens to me. Of course, I'm getting older now, but it happens to me when on my treadmill. That's how bad it is. I get in my treadmill and get off, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> well, I mean, I, all I've been moving is my legs, really, you know, but there's something about the body that says we're going somewhere, I think, you know, and so you're... It, anyway, it happens. Of course, when I was in the hospital, I experienced disorienting at very high levels. You know, uh, when I first came out of stem cell transplant, I was convinced. I mean, I was convinced. I remember this really well. I was totally convinced. I was building a medieval water park in Vancouver. And I even asked Cindy. She repeats the story all the time to people to my dismay. And uh, she goes, yeah, we'd walk down the hallway at the Cleveland Clinic, and he'd say, can I ask you a question? Are, are we in Vancouver? And she'd say, no, Steve, we're in Cleveland. We're in, the, we're in the hospital right now. And, you know, honestly, for a long time, I thought she was just, she was working for them. <laughs> you know, you know, so I, okay, sure. Yeah. I know what I'm doing, Cindy. And I'm building a water park in Vancouver. Whatever you're doing, it's fine. We'll talk about it later. But eventually I did realize that I had not built a water park in Vancouver. I always say sometime I'm going to go to Vancouver and see one and think, it really happened, you know. <laughs> so when I was out all those days getting stem cell transplant, you know, uh, I was in another place doing other things. But it's disorienting. But the thing is, when you, when you come back, some of you will understand this. When you come back to understanding that something you thought was very real is not, it's disorienting. It's disorienting. I mean, you're like, oh, wait, what? There's actually going to be a time where skinny gen jeans will not be popular anymore. I mean, it's, it's, I, I long for that, but it's a very powerful thought. And it's disorienting in some ways. Go ahead and put on some baggy jeans from the late 70s, and you'll feel disoriented right now. But eventually, you kind of draw up to it. You get used to it, you know. It takes time. And right now, there's a huge disorientation upon our country and upon people right now. And that's why it brings me to this Thanksgiving is so important. It is an opportunity to reset our spirit before God. I was going to preach a message today about how the spirit rules our body. And I may do it next week. I have it all done. I might as well. But how the spirit, when the spirit is in control, you, does everyone understand you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body? The body is disposable, but there's something strange about the body, that the body is also sacred. You say, well, it's a fallen state. Well, all of us are in a fallen state, a fallen world, but we're be we've been and are being born again. And so our bodies, although my outward self um, slowly disappears, my inward self is to be alive and be in control over this thing called Steve Witt. 
And so how I teach my mind, training my mind, eventually affects the way my body responds. And if I train my mind, even not even about the five senses, but if I train my mind in negative ways, it will reflect in my physical body. If I criticize my entire life, it will reflect in my physical body. You can get all kinds of ailments by having a bad attitude, by having judgment toward other people. And so you learn how to govern yourself. We are called, I, I say this all the time, you know I say it. I say, this is your promised land. I mean, you'll extend outside of this, but part of living here on planet Earth is getting you under control. How many of you know that's a full-time job? <laughs> you're always having to reinvent yourself. Hair starts to disappear, and you have to reinvent what you look, you know. Your wrinkles start coming, and memories that were spotless before are not so much anymore. You, you've got to, this is a work in motion constantly your whole life. But when you are born again, the Bible says you're born from above, you're born of the Spirit. And so what happens is now your perspective changed where you're seating, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus as one who's gone through a death, a burial, and a resurrection. We identify with Christ, we come out resurrected people. We function, I'm talking about ideally on this side of heaven, you function as a resurrected person. And the Bible says you are no longer led by your flesh, but by the Spirit. So you're, you know, it's like having, because most of us are born again later in life right now. Even later, later in life as in, this sounds really bad, as in teenagers. You've already established something, you do things a certain way. It's like being single a long time and then getting married. It's always a challenge because you're established. This is who I am. This is the way I do things, you know. And then you realize you're going to be living with someone who may not do it that way, may not even like that aspect of what you do. Why are you saying that so loud, Cindy? Cindy's going, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for everybody else. Yes. Thank you, Cindy. That's good, good clarity on it. Yeah. But... We are called in the midst of difficult times, disorienting times, to get your orientation. Typical, I've been lost a lot in my lifetime because I've traveled a lot, you know. I remember getting on a train in uh, London with a friend of mine, uh, Jim Paul from uh, Hamilton, Ontario. We were exhausted. We'd been ministering on like 10 days or something in various churches around London. This is probably late 90s. And uh, uh, so we jumped jumped on a train, you know, uh, uh, to go to Heathrow Airport, which is in the, in the west of London, pretty far. And uh, we were so exhausted, both of us fell asleep. It's something about that train, you know, <laughs> just kind of moving along with a rhythm, you know, it's easy to fall asleep. We fell asleep into a dead sleep, and somehow I woke up. I woke up, it was like, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour later. And all I, I woke up because the, the announcement was coming, uh, uh, next stop, uh, Dover. Now, if you know anything about England and about London, Dover's totally opposite direction. It's, it's like, you know, where you get a ferry to go to France. I mean, you know, it's Dover's way out on the southern eastern leg of England. We woke up, we were disoriented because our minds are heading to Heathrow, but our bodies are heading to Dover. And the body contains the mind. Doesn't control it, but it contains it. And so the mind has to instruct it. Honestly, it took us a few minutes like, wait, wait, what? Where are we? 
Dover. I mean, Dover's nice, but we're on the way to the airport. We've got a plane to catch. So my friend, who was, who was very quick at, at finding answers, he, he said, don't worry, i got a friend here. I forget the name of the town we were in. It was on the outskirts of the greater London, heading toward Dover. And he called the friend. The friend said, I'll be right over. I'll drive you to Heathrow. Now, that's a huge commitment in London. If you've ever been to com- uh, London, people don't like driving across town because the traffic's horrible. But he did, and he got us there in time, you know. But it, after that, it was like, how did we miss that? I mean, two pretty skilled travelers, myself and my friend, got on the wrong, we never questioned one another or anything, and you end up in a place that disorients you because you are convinced you've gone in the right direction. Has anyone ever experienced something akin to that? Raise your hand. All right, good. Okay, I'm in the right crowd there. Okay, good. So Scripture says this, in the midst of deorientation, I call it purgatory. Purgatory is a purging time and a cleansing time where you realize you were wrong. And you have to adjust and then go in a different direction. But you have to have a will to do that. In Romans 8, it says this. I love Romans 8. We all love Romans 8. There's a couple famous verses in Romans 8. Just look with me here a minute, and they're going to end off with Thanksgiving. And really how Thanksgiving is a reorientation during this time. That if we can learn how to be thankful about everything, you say, everything? Yeah, I say that because the Bible says it. The Bible loves like to, these, uh, <laughs> the Bible loves hyperbolic statements. You know how in a marriage, never say never. Never say always. When you're in a, especially when you're in a disagreement, you always do that. You never change. You know, you go to counseling, which I've been to counseling. And when you go to counseling, they'll tell you, get rid of these infinite uh, uh, words that cannot be accomplished in any way or state things that are not really true. The Bible does it a lot though. And I'll show you in just a few minutes. Romans 8 says this, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So there's, there's before you're a believer in Jesus Christ, everything is about this world. You're consumed by it. You're consumed by the five t- senses. What is it? Touch and smell and taste and and see and hear, I think it's five, right? Yeah, those five senses. What you see directs you. And the Bible's very clear on this. What you hear can direct you. What you feel and touch can direct you, even if it's even a sense. In the spirit realm, you have a parallel universe inside of you that is born again of the spirit. And it is the true mind of Christ. It's the spirit of the Holy Spirit. You are a spirit that has been filled with the Holy Spirit the set-apart sacred one. And it then gives you not only the ability to lead your life where you want to go, but the Lord says, and I will give you a helper, which is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit partners with you. When you team up with the Holy Spirit, you can blaze through any difficulty in any trail. I say that because in the past 10 days to two weeks, I've dealt with four key situations. Uh, One was with uh, just on Friday, with a, friend, a dear friend of mine whose wife passed away because of COVID uh, just a few weeks, uh, less than a month ago. A woman whose husband passed away just less than a month ago. Um, with a, um, uh, a, a man who uh, lost his job, you know, things were cruising along and boom, instant loss of job and processed each of these people in varying degrees through what they went through. And even uh, this past Friday, we were sending her out with Carl and Kim uh, Snyder. They, she gave me permission to share this. <laughs> and we were just chatting with them and having a Waffle House, of course, the greatest place to meet 
for breakfast is Waffle House. But anyway, uh, we're in Waffle House and we're listening to music while we're, while we're eating our waffles. And uh, we talked with them and she had just come from the doctor and she was, had surgery on her hand and she had some kind of a temporary cast and then they put a, a stronger cast on her, a, a firmer cast. When they took the one off though, she went into shock and they had to lay her down. She got disoriented. On the removal of a cast, and the doctor said, that's not uh, abnormal. He said, it doesn't happen with everybody, but it does happen. There's something about your body that gets used to something that is there, and when it's removed, it's disoriented, and it has to be reoriented. And so eventually, your body will get used to it. But the removal of that is shocking. There's the removal of things in our culture right now. And I know even this week with the, with the judgment that came out of uh, Kenosha, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I watch social media, you know, and it's just, poo, poo. it's all over the place, extremes on both sides, you know, and it, it's, there's such, you know, from the, the summer of burning two years ago into COVID and, and just all the things that have happened, there's massive disorientation and um, there's a need for Christians really right now to rise up in the midst of this and demonstrate a way of living. I know we don't see the church as this, but let me tell you, Jesus does. He sees the church as a counterculture. It's meant to have, you, know, you who are biblical literate, you will understand this, but when it's dark in Egypt, it's light in Goshen. Goshen is where the Jews lived. They had light. They had, when, when death was ruling over Egypt, they had the benefit of an angel passing over because the blood it had been applied to the door. And the blood of Jesus Christ, which is a better blood, has been applied to the door of your heart. And death can pass over. Grief can pass over. Because there's something inside of believers. If it happens in the Old Testament, it says throughout Hebrews that what we experience in a New Testament time right now, is meant to be better than even what you see in the Old Testament. And so our minds have to adjust because as soon as we get one difficulty in our life, we go, well, see, the Scripture didn't work on that one. And we change our, we adapt, we adapt our lives according to circumstances rather than according to the Word of God. I'm talking about, my, I'm talking about myself here. When you get a bad time, I mean, you find out you have cancer, you find out there's a loss of some sort or a job or whatever it might be. I mean, it's an instant disruption into, into your rhythm of life, into the psyche of who you are, and you have to readjust. Here's how you readjust. Let's look at what it says in, in Scripture, even though my computer wanted to turn off. Here we go. It says this, so set your mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, and you, it's inferred here, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So spirit people think primarily about spirit things because spirit things keep you in a place where you're relatively impervious. Whatever comes, even if it does damage into your life, you realign, you readjust, you reorient pretty quickly because you have the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you. So yeah, it's painful and yeah, I can feel the hit of that. It's like a gut punch. But it's also, I love in the movie Matrix, the original one in 99, the first one, you know, where, where you know, they, they try to punch him, or try bullets, shoot bullets at him, Neo, in the movie, and, and his whole perspective has changed. Now he can see those bullets coming in slow motion, even though they're 
going at the speed of sound, but because he's in a different understanding, he's in a different part of the matrix, he's able to see that coming and be able to easily move away. At one point, he even reaches up and grabs a bullet out of the air. I, now, when I first saw that, I, I was getting all kinds of spiritual application out of it. I do in some movies like that sometimes. Patriot, Gladiator, and all kinds. There's all kinds of ways that God can speak to you in many different forms of art, you know. But I saw that. I thought, that is a picture of living in the Spirit. We live here in this realm. We function in this matrix, but we are not of this realm. We did not take the red pill. We're not living obliviously through life. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about that, but whatever. It's not about that. It's a blue pill where actually you're living in a broken world that's full of pain, but somehow you're willing to accept that in order to live in authenticity before God and before those you're around. What that means is you admit, I am not perfect. I am not the greatest in the world. Recent Christianity in the past 20 years has pumped us up with who we are, and I love that we are. We are sons and daughters of God. But I had a simple thought this week, and I was talking to Bill Johnson about it uh, on a uh, Zoom that we had. I had a simple thought this week that you're, you're really not all that. Uh, none of us. I mean, even the group of people we have, now we're now, you know, numbers-wise, we're starting to grow again. We're getting up to, you know, 600 people, five, 600 people between our campuses. It's moving toward where we were pre-COVID. There's, there's momentum and move and everything else. But you know what? This is really, there's 8, 8 billion people on the planet. We're just, we're, we're not even observable from a satellite. Google knows where we are. Google Earth, but, you know, you got to zoom in pretty far to begin to see this building. And you're even smaller than that. And so I love the fact, periodically it's good to think, I mean, I'm all for, hey, I'm going to do this, we're going to win, we're going to get through this. I'm, you know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in me. I mean, we've pumped ourselves full of this for 20, me, 40 years. 40 years, you can imagine what I go through. I think everything's going to be perfect in the world. And then you hit with the realities of Monday morning. And you realize, it's just not what I think it is. It's because you're from a different realm. You're from a heavenly realm. You walk according to the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, carnal means fleshly, earthly. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind has enmity against God. I always switch it out for enemy against God. Enmity. It's, it's, it opposes, it's, 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 the cat hair backwards, you know, rubbing the cat hair backwards. It's, it's walking under the ladder. It's, it's all that stuff. It's like, yeah, no, nah, you know. The natural world is at war with the spirit world in your body. And you've got to take control of it. You've got to sway, buddy. Wait, mind. You're going to have the mind of Christ. You're not going to have the mind of Amazon or Google or Applebee, uh, Applebee's. Or Apple, <laughs> even Applebee's, you know. Pretty it really mess you up. All right. <laughs> so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's what it says in Romans 8. Now, Romans 8 is also marked by... Oh, i got one minute left. Just give me a few more minutes. I won't go over too long. Romans, is also, Romans 8 is also marked by this mystery of, of groaning. Uh, you know, my first encounter with this was when I was 10 years old. And I came home from school. I've told this story many times, but I'm going to tell a little bit different in the way that it applies now. But my mother, who 
had had a nervous breakdown, had, had had to be hospitalized, had encountered the Holy Spirit, been totally blasted by the Holy Spirit, but we're a Baptist house was, was not familiar. Our Baptist house was not, our Methodist Baptist house was not familiar with groaning in the Spirit. I never heard of it. I'm not even sure I wanted to. It just didn't sound right. Now I understand it a lot more, but I came home 10, 10 years old, so whatever that is, I don't know, third grade, fourth grade, whatever, or sixth grade, fifth grade, I don't know what it is, somewhere in there. I came home, walk in the house, had my day, pretty excited, and out of the basement I hear, oh, yeah, 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 like that. I froze. I knew it was my mother. I thought, she doesn't know any foreign languages. She doesn't really sing. I've really never heard her sing. She was singing in another language, but it gripped me. And so I kind of walked through the house quietly so she wouldn't know I was home. I didn't want to embarrass her in some way. Maybe this is something that women do when they're alone, their kids aren't around. I don't know. It's still a mystery to me, actually. <laughs> Groanings. And then, and then Romans 8 talks about it. Out of, this, out of this conflict between the realities of this world and the realities in Christ, bring disorientation culturally in our lives. And my mother dealt with it by this thing that's out of Romans 8. Bible actually says, and I'm not going to read it all because it says that creation groans for the sons of God to come forward. I mean, I don't know how we hear this. I've talked to people who have heard this kind of thing that creation, that some people even argue that earthquakes and and all these things that happen around the world is the earth wanting to be born again. That it longs to be, like the Bible says, it longs to be clothed with something from above. Because the battle is tough. The orientation is difficult. And a couple, couple years ago when I had a direct encounter in my bedroom, laying in bed, my wife was right there. She knows it happened with her too. The Holy Spirit came into our room. It felt like the court, courtroom of heaven had come into our room. And it was a very jovial uh, time in heaven. I think it's like that all the time. And anyway, while I'm there, you know, and I, I sense this heavy, heavy presence of God, it marked me deeply because I realized that, that it's very different when, when you step into a moment, even a moment like Sunday morning at church worshiping, a moment where you experience God the real way, you say, that's where I want to live. You are tasting the true se- your true self. And the more you move into that realm, the less this world will attach to you. And I'm not talking about attachments of love and things like that, but the, 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 the corruptions of the world, emotionally, mentally, and otherwise, will, will not grab a hold of you. And so we're called to walk in this way. So sometimes we groan. We groan because we don't have words. So it says that the spirit, the creation groans. It says in this scripture in Romans 8 that we groan trying to figure out what to pray for. I don't know if you've ever been so desperate where you did not have words. And you just begin to groan. In fact, they, Paul gives you a word to speak. He says, whereby you cry, Abba. Abba really, I mean, it's, it's one of those Hebrew words. It's Aramaic, actually. It can go a couple different ways, but it seems to be a more personal uh, name for God, kind of like daddy. 
And I don't want to go too, too far in that direction because God is God and God is, he's holy, but he's also happy. Unusual combination. And we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. I mean, sometimes that's all I say. When I'm really desperate about something, Abba, Abba. It's either scripture that pops out, it's crying out Abba, or it's, it's groaning in the spirit. And it says, creation does it, you'll do it, and the Holy Spirit will do it through you. That the Holy Spirit will actually put you on like a glove and start groaning with you. It's like a, it's a groaning symphony up into the heavens. And God moves. God is moved by that, you know. Oh, so much more I can say there. Maybe I'll pack it in next week. Let's conclude with this. Go with me to, I felt it so strong this week when I was meeting with this friend of mine whose wife just passed away. I knew her. Name's Barbie. His name's Ron. Some people call him Ronnie. Cool guy. He's been here many times. Uh, probably, I think, late 50s, early 60s, somewhere around there. Just a, a dear guy. We've traveled with him around the state with some of our other folks here. Uh, Jerry Slu uh, Jeremy Slupo and uh, Joel and I, we've all traveled with this guy. We know him well. And then suddenly his wife, who was otherwise pretty healthy. In fact, they'd just been to the doctor and she was healthier than he was. And they both got COVID. Uh, but she got COVID and she passed away pretty quick from it. And um, I think she was 60. And uh, so we met to talk, I haven't talked to him uh, since the passing. And we sat in a restaurant. I knew what was going to happen. I know what happens when you talk with somebody who's, who's lost something so dear. It's disorienting, to say the least. And I knew that, that us talking about it would create emotion. I'm always surprised that it creates emotion in me. I understand a person having emotion about it. But in that moment, you taste something between brother and brother, sister and sister. You enter into a realm of identification that brings greater clarity even by just talking about it and by listening about it. It's happened many times in my life. And so they were in a restaurant. We're both weeping, 90 minutes, barely ate our food. We did eat it, but, you know, it was, it was the food was just the surfboard we were we were surfing on. You know, it was, a, it was a means for communication and food has great power to it, to heal the soul. So I think right now we're in a time of uh, pausing, reflecting this, what this week's about and learning how to have peace in our lives. Let's all stand together if we could. I want to read a few verses. 1 Thessalonians 5 says something very powerful. Each of the epistles covers this in one way or another about thankfulness. The reason I said all the things I said in the first 10 minutes is because you have the ability right now to become thankful. You can change it. You say, it's just not my thing. It needs to be your thing. Scripturally, it's the will of God for you. Did you know that? Did you know the Bible actually gives real good clarity on what the will of God is? Let me just read this verse with you. Rejoice always. Always? Yeah. He didn't say, hey, sometimes rejoice. Rejoice always. Listen to this. He doubles down. Pray without ceasing. 
Wait, I thought I was rejoicing all the time. How am I going to pray and rejoice? And then it says 18, and this is one we forget a lot. In everything, give thanks. Not just partially. Not when times are good. Oh, I thank you, Lord. We got a great turkey today and we're going to have fun. We're gonna... That's great. There's nothing wrong with being thankful. I, I love the this, this show Blue Bloods. I got hooked on it during uh, when I was in a hospital eight years ago. Blue Bloods is the story of an Irish family in New York City. Tom Selleck, Francis, is the, the patriarch of the family. And he's the New York City police chief. So every week on that show, which I've watched all of them, numerous times, 12 seasons, about 180 shows, I'm hooked because there's a thread of the nature of God through it. Almost at the end of every episode, they do this, they pray. They're Catholics, Irish Catholics, New York City, Staten Island actually. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So this new girl who just married into the family, Edith, that's her name. Edith gets to the table. She's apparently not a devoted Catholic, so it's her turn. And she just goes, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, blessed Lord, amen. And they all go, whoa, 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 whoa. She's like, what? He goes, that's not how you do it. She goes, what did I say wrong? Nothing. It's the pace. Slow down. Let's focus on this family around this table. And let's thank God. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. We rejoice always. We pray without ceasing. In everything we give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, there's many more I could read, but we're out of time. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get to Middleburg in a few minutes. I just want to pray for you right now. And uh, Jay, we need to go for souls today. If there's anyone here that does not know Jesus Christ, don't leave this place. We'll let you out. But don't leave this place without giving your life fully to Jesus Christ. It's your only hope for the future. You can overcome this thing called Steve Witt or your name, who you are. You can overcome this. You can live a life that leans into holiness and leads into love and leans into forgiveness and leans into thankfulness before God, but you've got to give your life to Jesus. You've got to come to a point where you say, I don't want the flesh realm anymore. I'm still going to live here. There's still Monday morning, but there's also Sunday morning. And I will get restored. And I'll get refreshed. I'll go out fighting. I'll go out strong as a warship and not a cruise ship. So we bless that right now. I want to bless you over this week. I feel there's unusual moves of the Spirit. If you're visiting, I do not cry every week. I don't know why I'm crying, actually. But I just feel the overwhelming presence of God. And that if you, if you will turn your hearts to the Lord, Jesus Christ on the cross, the crucifix itself will speak to you like it did St. Francis, changed his whole life. He said a voice came out of the crucifix wild. You may not have that happen, but I'm telling you, God's speaking to you right now. And you feel that voice inside of you. Yield to the voice. Yield to the voice. And you're going to have a destiny. 
that, uh, that emerges that may not change the world, but it'll change you and it'll change your world. Jake, come on over. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.